Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The happiest of hump days to you and yours. Welcome back. Greg, Eli, Zach with you on this Wednesday, February 28th. 2024. Normally the last day of February, but it's a leap year, so we got the 29th tomorrow. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their floor model sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. So the rain is moving out of the area. Right now it's 49. It was 51 start the show, and we're not going to get any warmer. It's dropping right down. And tonight we're looking in the upper 30s to the lower 30s overnight. Cloudy skies throughout the day. Winds still howling at uh, 15 to 20. And then a cloudy day for your Thursday and then on to your Friday, although it starts to heat up again this weekend. Second hour of the program brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. They are your family's jeweler. If you plan on getting engaged this spring, this summer, next fall, or this fall, I guess, you're going to look at a bunch of different jewelers, and you should, to find the best deal possible. Please make sure James Gaddis Jewelers is one of those jewelers. They've been around Memphis for a long, long time. And James has the credentials. He's a master jeweler. He's a certified appraiser. He's a diamondologist. And he's graded by the Gemologist Institute of America. He travels the world to find the best diamonds. He really, really does, literally. And they have the deals for you. I'm telling you, make sure that they are one of the jewelers that you check out when you're looking for that special engagement ring, wedding rings, personally designed wedding sets. Now, if you're looking for watches, absolutely, James Gaddis Jewelers. Bracelets, necklaces, earrings, pendants, gemstones of all types. They also have one-of-a-kind estate and vintage jewelry. They have the experts to help you pick out those wedding rings and that fine jewelry. If it's a certain watch you're looking for, you talk to those folks one-on-one. That's what you get. It's not like a big box store when you're looking for some help for 20 minutes and they bring the person over from appliances. It's James Gaddis Jewelers, 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. It is time to talk some Tigers hoops with Andy Borman. It's time to talk Memphis Tigers basketball. Joining Sports 56 Mornings is Tigers assistant coach Andy Borman. Now, here's Coach Borman with Greg and Eli. He is Tigers assistant basketball coach Andy Borman. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Borman. He joins us every single week during the Tiger basketball season. Hey, Coach, how are you this morning? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. Two in a row, two really impressive showings. I'm telling you, I thought the defense certainly was as good as it's been in a long time in the win over Florida Atlantic. But I also thought, and this to me was the most important thing, you guys really treasured that basketball. You really cherished that rock. Six turnovers. That was it. You protected the ball. You made the shots. You got the stops. Great win, Andy. Yeah, no doubt. And and those two things are related. You know, like taking care of the basketball helped set up our defense. Mm -hmm. You know, so those two things go hand in hand. And uh, it's really hard to be really good defensively if you're turning it over. You know, so it was awesome. The place was rocking. Proud of our guys. You know, kind of, you know, seeing who we are again. 
what were going in you know, against a guy like Janelle Davis, who can certainly shoot it, but overall, Florida Atlantic, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. What were the keys to making sure you don't let their shooters get free? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to give too much away here because we're yeah. going to play them again yeah. in, in like 14, or no, 10 days. Um, but I, I think it was just, you know, really honing in on their personnel, you know, know, knowing who they are. I mean, they're obviously a very, very dangerous team, and they surround, you know, their big guy with a bunch of shooters. Um, now, the good thing for us, you know, with our personnel is we we really have guys that can guard multiple positions. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that, you know, having Nick, having Naquan, David, Jaquan, you know, and Javon Quinterly, you know, you have guys that can move around. And the, the only time, you know, I think you kind of like get a little nervous is if, you know, Quinterly gets switched onto their center. Yeah. You know, but they're, you know, they play four guards that are all 6'3". You know, so it's not like they have a 6'11", four-man that would be a hard switch. So I think it's just being aware of personnel. Yes, but they do have a huge monster inside yeah. in Golden, who was 9-for-9 nine nine in in retrospect, in hindsight. Maybe Dusty May should have told his team, get that guy 25 shots, because he was perfect. He was unstoppable. And a big reason for that was no Malcolm Dandridge, and we don't know his situation if he'll even play again. But I thought, as you just alluded to, Tomlin, Jordan, even Jaquan Walton was on him at times. I thought they did a pretty reasonable job against him, even though he was perfect, because they didn't get all these early fouls. They ended up, Jordan and Tomlin ended up with three and Walton with four, so nobody got into serious foul trouble where they had to sit a bunch of times. I thought that they did a, a pretty admirable job against that guy who's very, very talented, especially when he gets the ball down low. Yeah, and, and you know, once again, you know, everything kind of goes hand in hand. Like, you I don't want to say you can't, but it, it would be extremely rare to shut down every single facet <laughs> of a good team. Right. Right. So, you know, like if, if we're going to pay, you know, this much attention and, and try to eliminate their three point shooting, you know, that, that is going to open up their big man, you know, and, and if you choose to shut down their big man, that will open up their shooting. And then not that you can't do both. And that's clearly our goal. You know, but I, I thought we did a good job of it, and he's a really good player. You know, and I'm sure that, you know, they will, FAU will make adjustments for us when we get down there. And I think we'll have something new for them when we get, you know, so it's it's always, you know, a little bit of chess. The, and I guess it would seem to reason, and this probably is the mentality just generally in basketball. Now, I mean, if you're going to give up one, you'd much rather give up the two-pointers than the three-pointers. Yeah, you just don't want the guy to go nine for nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in this match, like, going in, and you don't have, you know, especially with the fact that Dandridge is like, like, you don't really have that size. Do you say, okay, well, what we give up on one end because we can't match up size, he's going to have a trouble trying to come out because we got guys who could take him out to the perimeter. So you do accept the fact on one end thing we got, maybe it creates a little bit better of a mismatch on the other end? I mean, I, I think, you know, that uh, what you do is you just try to win the mismatch. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you can win the mismatch, 
um, you know, then then you get the better of that situation. Um, and and I mean, we we could argue it both ways, but the way Naquan Tomlin played, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you could argue that if we didn't win it, it was pretty close to a stalemate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, you, we're definitely a hard guard. And by the way, they're they're good, you know. So they're they're a hard guard also. Um, and I just think that at the end of the day, like you guys said, like taking care of the basketball, but really just our our effort and fight, mm-hmm. you know, our effort and fight, you know, really carried the day. This is not your department, but any word yet on whether or not Malco will be able to travel yeah. with you guys to Greenville? I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. You know, I think we all know how important Malcolm is to us. You know, not not just, you know, on the court on game day. You know, just, I mean, he, he's the mayor of Memphis, right? He's, he's, <laughs> he's been here. He's been here forever. So right. I, don't, I don't know, but fingers crossed and positive thoughts. Of course, you guys, and, and, and really teams in any sport at any level, <clears throat> excuse me, find inspiration from a lot of different things. It seemed like that Penny pushed the right button with inspiration before that game. So tell us what it was like to be out in the locker room when they ran video of last year's tough loss in the NCAA tournament to Florida Atlantic, plus a clip or two of Florida Atlantic's win over Kansas State, just personally designed for Naquan Tomlin, who was with the Wildcats last year, denying them a trip to the Final Four. It seemed like that kind of triggered something. Yeah, I mean, it, it did. I mean, I think I think everybody, you know, this has been a buildup, right? Like, everybody's been talking about Memphis and FAU, and not just in Memphis. You know, like, you know, it, it seems like, honestly, since last year, you know, and so every single guy that came in, even if they weren't a part of that game, you know, they've been hearing about it mm-hmm. and hearing about it and hearing about it. And I think, you know, obviously coach just timed it really well because going into the game, everything was about, you know, personnel and strategy and game planning and then right, you know, right there at that last kind of like locker room huddle, you know, he just threw gasoline on that fire. And, uh, I mean, everybody, if, uh, if that door wasn't open, we would have run through it, you know, so everybody was fired up. So we, especially in the world of college sports, uh, talk all the time about, you know, letdowns, things like that. So after a big emotional win that you talk about that, all that was tied into that going on the road against a team that doesn't have a very good record. Like how do you try and avoid the letdown factor? Well, I think the first thing is the reality is that East Carolina is very good. And second of all, they're only one game behind us in conference, you know? So, you know, that, that alone is enough, you know, like, I mean, you would think, you would think it's enough, Andy. I mean, that we we have six losses in conference and they have seven losses in conference, you know, so that there's, there's a one game separator here mm-hmm. and we only play them once, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, this game is important. And then also you start talking about, like you said, like we're at the end of the year, you know, the, the, the finish line is in sight, you know, so this is not the time of year, you know, where anyone should be getting caught by trap games, 
like that's not you know that that time has passed that you know that time is in you know early to mid January you know when there's just a lot of runway ahead of you um so I think the the main thing is you know we talked about it as a group yesterday and and coach really stressed it you know look they're good you know and showing them tape of what they do well you know and knowing that this is a dangerous game you know and 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 by the way we also have something you know to build off of here you know like with the charlotte win with the fau win you know we we have something to build off of you know so it's it's no steps backwards you know it's it steps forward well also if you lose one of these remaining three, you have no chance, even though we know it's going to still be tough to get to a top four spot and avoid having to play four in, in four days to, to get the AQ, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah. lose one, you don't control your own destiny, but you do in the sense that if you lose one of these, you're toast. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we just got to win out, you know, and, and that's that's been the message and it, it's not going to change, you know? So that was, you know, like we got to win this one too. You know, and then after this one, we got to win the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's just what it is. That that's the situation. You know that we've put ourselves in, and and one of the things I enjoy the most about Coach Hardaway is he's extremely honest about that. You know, yeah, you, you you listen to other coaches' sound bites, and you know they're pleading and they're talking about their resume and they're blasting Lenardi, and you know they're tra- <laughs> you know smoking mirrors. You know, and and what Coach Hardaway is just no, this is. This is the position we put ourselves in, and we have to win, and that's that's just the reality of the matter. The you, you mentioned East Carolina, and they're good; they're a dangerous team. What is it? Uh, what does East Carolina do well? Well, they're they're athletic, and they've got you know a couple kids, two in particular that they can really play and really score the ball. Um, you know, and, and their big kid Asur you know, is like a Marvel character. You know, the guy looks like he's cut from stone. Um, and he's extremely athletic, you know, and they they play hard. You know, they, they play really, really hard. You know, so it's going to be one of those things where we got to keep them in front. You know, we got to keep them out of the paint. And we got to really know our personnel, you know, and, and realize – that they've got two monsters, you know, that you can't confuse, right? You can't confuse them for other guys, you know? And so it's just, and then once again, like, you know, we did that with Charlotte. We did that with FAU, you know, and, and like I said earlier, like, can we just keep building and building off of this thing? You made the uh, the comment a moment ago about, okay, early January, mid-January, maybe you have one of those games where you kind of take a team a little bit lightly looking ahead to another team, uh, but it doesn't happen at this time. And this would be the perfect time because you just beat Florida Atlantic and you have UAB coming in Sunday in a revenge game on Senior Day where you lost to them, obviously, in Birmingham uh, earlier this season. This is sandwiched in between the two. So it's the, it's a quintessential trap game. But as you said, you have to win. And these guys yeah. seem like their attitude, not attitude, but kind of the, the the mental makeup of these guys now seems to be clicking. I mean, Penny alluded to that 
uh, Monday during his coach's show. It's just still puzzling how it's taken this long, even though early in the season it looked like they were together. Then they were not, and then they're back together again. So I don't know what it was, but what do you think it is right now that it seems like the guys are on the same page? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to. Sometimes I say things that make me really be like, holy cow, am, am I getting old? You know, but I, 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 you know, I just think, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like, this is the cell phone era, you know, or, you know, this, this is Instagram or this is instant gratification, you know, but, but really it, you know, it it's is, attention <laughs> it is, you know, like it, it, it really, it really, it really is, you know? And so, you know, I, like I said, I think, you know, you look at the fact that we have three regular season games left. You know that that's going to make everyone sit up in their chairs a little straighter, mm-hmm. you know, and pay a little bit more attention, you know, because you got the conference tournament right around the corner, and then the postseason right around that corner, you know, and and I think that's just part of it, and and the other part of it is we're playing for our lives, you know, and that's something that Memphis has done really well, you know, they've they've when the stakes are the highest, you know, we're. We're at our best. We're willing to step up to the challenge. You know, that's kind of part of our DNA here. Um, you know, so I just think, like I said, without, you know, being too old, um, I think this is just part of what it is nowadays. Not not when I was a kid, right? <laughs> Get off my lawn, Andy. The uh... I know, no doubt. <laughs> One of the hot topics around the world of college basketball now is the whole court storming situation after what happened with Duke and Wake Forest. You, of course, were yeah. at Duke, which teams beat Duke. There's a lot. There's a good chance they might storm the court because Duke's always very highly ranked. Have you ever been in a? Were you ever in a situation in a court storming where it it almost, it felt dangerous? Well, that was actually you know I, I perked up not just because it was Duke, but. uh you know, the, the young man, Kyle Filipowski played for me, you know, oh, wow. with, with okay. my, with, yeah, with my program up in New that. York, the, okay. New, the New York Ren. So I, I personally coached Kyle, uh, for two years before I came to Memphis. So when I saw that, I was kind of, I, you know, my first thing was just, you know, is he okay? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this is gonna, there, there's enough things about Duke that people hate that I don't need to pile <laughs> That I don't need to pile on, um, but to make a, a very, very Duke comment, you know, like Duke never storms the court, but they always get the court stormed on them, yes. you know? So like, you know, like all of the opinions are going to be jaded, you know, I, I understand the value and, and, you know, like, you know, it's a, it's an awesome environment. And my, the thing is really, it's just such a simple fix. It is just such a simple fix. Now, if it's a last-second buzzer beater, it's harder. Yeah. But if it's anything other than a buzzer beater, you know, when it gets down to like one or two seconds, even if everyone's out of timeout, the refs should just stop the game. I, that was they should just stop. They should just stop the game and make it a thirty-second timeout. Let you know the team that's the visiting team that's going to lose get off the court on, you know, and then they can inbound it, restart it, and, you know, and they can just stop it. And it's that simple. 
it really is that simple. You know, we don't need to do the whole Jay Billis. We're going to detain them and arrest right, that was, them. Thing. That was just dumb. Yeah, I mean that that, that you know that'd be like saying like you know uh, public intoxication tickets are going to stop college kids from drinking. Like, mm-hmm. no, they're not. Like, and and that's not going to stop kids from storming the court. Um, but if you just stop the game and get the visiting team off, you know, and now there's not a solution if they drill a half-court buzzer beater. You know, there, there's really not. You well, know, but, you just got to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but even if you're if you're down by two and you have the final possession and you miss the shot and the game's over, like you still, yeah, that's like, there's a lot. You can, yeah, like, no, like you can, that, that is unavoidable. Yeah. You know, and, and you can put stanchions and ropes and, you know, all that out there, but like these kids are still gonna, you know, they'll just run through them, you know, and that's why I say, like, you mainly, and Coach K would talk to us about it. You know, hey, if this happens, don't engage. If someone bumps you, don't engage. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's a no-win student for the, or no-win situation oh, yeah. for the athlete. The student, nothing happens to him. They exactly. can, well, I mean, by the, by the way, David Jones got punched in the back. Right. You know, earlier during a court storm. You know, what if, what if David Jones would have turned around and hit the kid right back? You know, yeah. like that—that that could have then negatively changed David's life. You know, so it's—it's it's a lopsided, you know, thing. And I just think you control what you can and try to prevent. But if it's one of those situations, you just keep your fingers crossed. Because well, these kids—they're not going to wait until sh- you know, like everyone shakes hands, gets off the court, and then file on because they don't care. Okay, because uh, I I said, listen, if you if you make it where because it's right now it is frowned upon, and obviously we have certain leagues like the SEC that find field storming yeah. and football court storming and all that. But how about if you said, no, no, we're we're going to allow court storming. We're going to allow it. Okay, but here's the rule, and you make the you make these announcements that. You, you, you know, you can come down, get ready. You can, you, you can do it like you in hand. Now, kids are like, wait a minute, they're allowing us to do this. But the only uh, the only thing has to be that you have to allow the visiting team to go to their locker room and then storm the court all you want or storm the field all you want. Do what you want. If you allow that, but you have these rules and announcements and the fans are making like, okay, all right, so this they're going to allow us to do it. All right, we'll let them get off the court and now we'll go. I think yeah. they may handle it a little better. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that'd be like, you know, hey, let's go to a concert of a band that you really like. And, like, after they finish their, like, final set, I need you to wait for them to leave the stage for you to cheer. You know, like, you need to just bottle that emotion, let them leave, let right, everything die right. down, and then you can cheer. I hear you. I'm just, you and know, you'll be, you know, instead of going nuts, you're just gonna be like, yay, you know, like it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, look, I it mean, doesn't take me that wrong. long to get off the court, but uh, no, I understand. It, it does. It well, does. no, that don't do, actually... don't do the handshake. And Penny said that the other day. If yeah, you're gonna no, know, it, if, if it's a situation where there's going to be a, st- a court storming, uh, you just don't do the greeting at the end, the, the handshake, the goodbye, the thank and, you, good job. And I agree. I just like I said, if I was. You know, if I was it, you know, I would just, if I was a ref, I'd stop the game. You know, boop, you know, one second left, two seconds left. You know, hey, take your, you know, hey, Dusty May, take your team. 
you know, okay, good. All right, just inbound it. Boop, game's over. Everyone, you know, like. Except when it's a, you know, a final, a guy makes a bucket, you got to inbound it, half court heave, yeah. like Eli was alluding to earlier. Those, those things are impossible. So it would be some games you'd be able to do it, some games you wouldn't be able to. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what comes out of it. I mean, everybody has an I don't opinion. know. I mean, Caitlin Clark got drilled. Yep. Kyle Filipowski got drilled. I know. And I know. those are. Those are the biggest names. I mean, Caitlin's name is bigger than Kyle's. And, yeah. and if that doesn't change it, it ain't going to change. Hey, yes. real, real quick, and I think I know the answer. Uh, if you were the Grizzlies and um, you had the opportunity to take Filipowski, do you see him as a a good NBA center? I do because he's a mismatch. You know, because he, he can handle the ball, he can shoot it, and he has a really good IQ. You right. know, so he, he's going to be a long-term pro. You know, and, and he's only going to get stronger and stronger and bigger, you know, as he ages. Um, you know, but he he's going to be in the league for 12, you know, as long as he's healthy. Right. You know, 12 to 15 years. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of, you know, their roster construction. All right. Best of luck in Greenville. Best of luck on Senior Day Sunday against UAB. Andy, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. He is Andy Borman, Tigers assistant basketball coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Borman. We'll take a break. When we come back, Jerry Palm. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Palm joins us here in just a moment. To Michael Cole and the Grizzlies at 9.05. We're going to get into some NFL talk in our third hour as well. But as promised, as he always joins us on Tuesdays, make that Wednesdays during both the college basketball and football seasons, it's Jerry Palm time. It's time for Sports 56 Mornings Weekly Chat with Jerry Palm, college football and basketball writer and bracketologist for CBSSports.com. Here are Greg, Eli, and Jerry. He is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at JPPalmCBS. JP, I wonder how many times, the amount, if they can um, keep up with it, how many times your name is Googled during this time of the year. I have no idea. I can't uh, even imagine how many times basketball fans are Googling Jerry Palm. Let me find this bracketology if they don't go right to CBSSports.com. Yeah, I, I, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I have way too many other numbers on my mind than that. <laughs> I know you do. When are you dropping uh, your latest today? Uh, I haven't yet. Um, I'm uh, almost done with it, so not long after uh, we're done here. Anything significant uh, that we'll see? BYU moved up a couple of lines after beating Kansas on the road. Otherwise, uh, Texas is, is moved into the bracket um, and Wake Forest out. Um, but the, I guess those are the two most significant things. 
What about Mississippi State with their home loss last night? They're a good Kentucky team, but what what does that yeah. do for them? Yeah, I mean, it hurts a little bit. Um, they've got a tough finishing schedule, so you really want to win your road game. Uh, it makes their job a little bit harder. Uh, but they're not in danger yet of falling out of the bracket. So, Jerry, you have Ole Miss tonight against Alabama. Yours, uh, your bracketology yesterday had Ole Miss in the field playing in Dayton, playing Gonzaga, pair of 11 yeah. seeds. What happens, give me the, both scenarios. Uh, they, they win against Alabama ranked team tonight. Do they come off that Dayton date and move into the you know the regular field, or and if they lose, conversely, are they on the outside of the field looking in? Well, um, that would be a lot easier to, question to answer if they were the only team playing today, <laughs> um, but they're not. It'll depend on what other teams do. Uh, but obviously, winning is a win over Alabama would be really positive for them. Uh, that's something that they really need. Um, but losing doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fall out of the bracket. Okay. You seem to be a, a little, I guess, higher on them than others. It seems like a lot of people have them out of the bracket. Now, granted, you only have them in the last four in, so it's not like you've got yeah. them secure. There are, I think, 70-something in the net. I mean, it, what 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 is it on their resume that has you keeping them in the bracket? Well, um, they play a reasonably good schedule. Uh, they've got some nice wins. It, it's, it's not They haven't got anything that's really fatal. And mm-hmm. most of the other teams down there do. They've got something that, like, the committee never lets this in or almost never lets this in. You know, something on their resume that's so negative that the committee usually lets them out. And Mississippi hasn't got anything that's mm-hmm. fatally negative on their resume yet. Yeah, Bama as a three. Going back to that Bama Ole Miss game tonight at the Pavilion in Oxford. Yeah, Bama as a three as of yesterday. How high can Bama go? Two? Yeah, that's about it. I don't really see. I mean, if they get hot and win all the way out through the SEC, maybe they could push for that fourth number one. Uh, it just doesn't seem like that's a realistic expectation for them. So right now, with your number ones, Houston, Purdue, Connecticut, North Carolina, would you say, and, and look, uh, you know, if a team went right down the crapper, I understand that uh, it would be subject to change. But right now, you probably feel pretty good about your Purdue Boilermakers, UConn, Houston as number one seeds when it's all said and done? Yeah, and it's it's weird because we're three weeks from Selection Sunday and they're as close to locks for the number one for number one seeds as as we've had in years. Wow. <laughs> this early in the season. It's um there's an enormous gap between those three and number four North Carolina at the moment. Um they're probably you know, Alabama not Alabama, um Tennessee. Arizona Tennessee, Marquette, closest to pushing North Carolina. Kansas now has more work to do. Alabama has more work to do. Uh, if they're going to, they're really outside shots. Those two at this point, but um, the the number fourth number one seed is, appears to be Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, Marquette, and the other three, you know, Purdue, UConn, Houston, could lose twice and still be the top three teams in the bracket wow. on selection wow. Sunday. How? You know, Tennessee has Auburn. Uh, I'm not sure who North Carolina has, but how how close is that? North gap Carolina's from... got Duke oh. at the end of the regular season, like they well, always yeah. do. Yeah. I don't know the rest of their schedule. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of what's this week. Yeah, I don't. I'll just look up North Carolina. But how how far is the gap kind of be between Tennessee and North Carolina right now? Oh no, there's not much of a gap at all. The, the four teams I just mentioned: Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, Marquette. 
very, very small gap among those teams. I mean, you could almost reasonably make a case for any order of those four teams. They're they're close enough together that it, um, it, it's going to come down to, you know, how these teams finish. But, you know, Marquette and Tennessee have the schedule advantage, you know, in the, in the sense that they have the kinds of teams on their schedule that can give them the juice to move up. And Arizona doesn't at all, and Carolina barely does. So, you know, but, I mean, that's good and bad. You know, Tennessee's got a tougher schedule, but it makes it harder to win those games, you know? Yeah, they've got uh, – North Carolina has NC State, Notre Dame, and Duke as their final yeah. three, where Tennessee has Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky. Right, exactly. So, um, and Marquette still gets UConn at home uh, among their finishing schedule. So, you know, great opportunities for Tennessee and Marquette. Uh, Arizona's the only competent team in their league. Well, Washington State, you know, but they couldn't, wouldn't see them again until the conference tournament. Um, and uh, North Carolina's in a, in a pretty soft league this year, too. A couple good teams at the top, but not much depth of, of quality in the ACC this year. Despite the loss on uh, Sunday against the Memphis Tigers, Florida Atlantic, you still has a nine as a nine seed. So they look to be solidly in the field. Is there, mm-hmm. is there a scenario that they, yeah. they play themselves out of the field? Yeah. They have a schedule that allows that to happen. <laughs> you know, if they go in the tank, every loss they take really hurts, you know, except less so Memphis at their place, but it's at their place. Um, so yeah, I, I have Florida Atlantic on my bubble at the moment. Uh, now, on the high side of it, you know, but um, their schedule gives them an opportunity to play their way out of the field. I would think that, and I can't speak for you, you could tell me, uh, if Florida Atlantic, what do they have, three games left, Eli? I think three? Probably. That's about right. right? Just about and everybody's got three at this point. Right, and if they win the two and even lose to Memphis, even though it's a home loss, and still in the conference tournament getting into the finals, I would think they'd be pretty safe still, right? You would think, but you never. I mean, know. It depends on what other teams do and who they play in the tournament. But um, you know, like get to the finals is not a concept. You know that means nothing to the committee. It, 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 who did you play to get there, and then who ultimately beats you if you lose? And and South Florida, which is having just an unbelievable year, their coach could be the Conference national play coach anyway. of the year. Yeah, okay, right, right. That's which comes to which gets to the point of why they're not in the field. They're in your field now because they're leading. The American Conference. But Did they clinch the top seed yet or no? They clinched at least a tie. Yeah, okay. At least a tie. So there is no scenario, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but no scenario that you see that South Florida gets to the championship game of the tournament, wins the rest of their games in the regular season, loses in the championship game, that they get in as an at-large? I don't think so, no. Okay. I don't think there's enough good teams that they could play to build up their resume to the point. I mean, their strength of schedule is horrible. It's really, really <laughs> bad. Um, so, I mean, overall strength of schedule for a, for a potential NCAA tournament team. Yeah. And uh, Anyway, so, uh, no, I don't see South Florida as an at-large team. They, they have yet to play a – they have not played a quad one game. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> uh, I don't even know if they've got one left on their schedule. I mean, they might get one in the conference tournament um, if they played FAU neutral. Yeah. Could be a – could be Memphis neutral would not be unless they get they move up in the net in a hurry. Now, what about Memphis? They they win the rest of their games. That would include a win at Florida Atlantic. They get to the conference tournament championship. That means they probably will have beaten oh maybe an SMU along the way. Who knows? Uh, any chance that they can get back on 
uh, that bubble and get into that field as an at-large? Um, I would not be optimistic, <laughs> but I'm not going to rule it out. Okay. We had a conversation yesterday. McNeese, without, is there any chance of an at-large bid? No. That's what I, that's what I thought. The schedule's just not good enough. In fact, the two teams that had the best chance of at-larges among those um, one bid, typically one bid leagues mm-hmm. are, uh, well, I'm going to leave out Dayton because, I mean, Dayton's a probable at large, but uh, Indiana State and Grand Canyon, and they each took a couple of bad losses recently and pretty much have kind of run that out. Where do you see Creighton in this whole thing? They had the win over Connecticut and then they turned around and, and lost at St. John's just so less than a week after Rick Pitino went crazy on his team. Um, what do you what do you see as far as the ceiling for the Blue Jays? Probably a four. Um, I mean, the you know they've got opportunities to to play themselves higher, and they're probably good enough to do it. But I don't. I mean, I think realistically, their ceiling is most likely a four. Gonzaga, right now, you would you have them again. This is as of yesterday. Your new bracketology. Oh, and today, okay. So you got Ole Miss and Gonzaga playing in Dayton. Gonzaga, they still do they? What do they have left? Do they have to play St. Mary's again in the regular yeah. season? Okay. Yeah. So they are at San Francisco Thursday. Pretty sure it's Thursday, and then at St. Mary's on the weekend, uh, and then the conference tournament starts. So that's the end of their regular season. The West Coast Conference ends um, with a lot of the smaller conferences. You know, the, a week before the majors. So. Um, so their conference tournament is actually next week, and I think Gonzaga has to beat St. Mary's. That's what I was going to ask. If one one that one time, if they're zero three against St. Mary's, I don't think they make the NCAA okay. tournament. Thank you. You answered the uh, the question I had in my mind right there. If they could get in without having beaten St. Mary's, and a good chance they'll play them three times. I mean, every year that seems to be the situation. Usually yep. Gonzaga's on the good side. So, yeah, um, yep. yeah that, that, that's uh, quite interesting. Oh, the Mountain West had a crazy night last night. I don't Isn't think a I? lot of people around here are paying attention unless they're just basketball junkies. Yeah, of, of late, but you had some surprises. Obviously, Nevada going in, last-second win, half-court shot to beat Colorado State. Oh, How many from the Mountain West you got in right now? Six. Um, Six, wow. Yeah, and the one in the most trouble is New Mexico. Um, it's funny because New Mexico, for the longest time, was kind of low in my bracket because they were a home court hero. They, had, they hadn't done anything off their home court. Then they won it in Nevada. But they've lost three home games. to uh, One was to a decent team, but Boise State. But the other two were the bottom feeders. They just lost to Air Force at home. Air Force. Wow. <laughs> so they've taken a quad three and a quad four loss at home since they got their one and only decent road win of the year. And what's funny is they've got like nine wins away from home, and eight of them are like quad three and four. <laughs> Jeez. It's, um, so they've got one decent win away from home, and God, they're just playing themselves down the bracket. I mean, that Air Force loss, is a, that's a real stinker. Um, you know, they they're, they're, that takes a lot of their margin for error away. We, we've talked in the past about the bizarre Texas A&M resume. Do you have them in right now or out? Out. Yeah, their they're, they're record's just not good enough. So they, right they, now, they, had, they had a really good schedule. They definitely were not up to it. So right but now you have how late, many SEC? But, yeah, it's not too late. But oh, no. What's that? How many SEC you have in right now? Uh, eight. I think it's eight. Eight. Okay. And Mississippi State had a great chance last night. Uh, At home, okay. lose to Kentucky. Where are they? Are they still bubble? Yeah, they're still on the bubble, but you know they're in the nine ten range. I mean that's 
it's a loss to Kentucky, so it's not horrible. It's a little worse because it was, um, you know, at home. But you know, their their schedule is they have a challenging schedule down the stretch too. So they need, you know, to find a way to get some of these wins. Uh, it really hurts to lose at home uh, when you have a tough schedule like that. But you know, now they've they've got a little more work to do. Houston, they if they win the Big Twelve, number one overall, without a doubt. Oh, uh, what do you think? I would. I've got them third now. Um, they could be number one overall, but uh, they're not guaranteed any better than third. Yeah, I'm just thinking. You win that Big Twelve, you're in okay, your first year. Who did year. you beat? Well, I, I mean, mean I know that- to win it to win it all, they're probably going to have to beat Kansas. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe but have to beat Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, that's that's the thing is that you know you just say win the conference tournament. You know, right? And- who you beat along the way? I understand. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking Purdue's that more than likely, and UConn's resume are both better right now because they've got better quality wins and better depth of quality wins. Right, Houston got probably more of a chance to pick up quality wins, and right. Purdue might have the least chance. But Purdue's back end schedule is tough because they're they've got Michigan State at home, and that's that's not really uh, that doesn't help a whole lot. And uh, hurt them if they lose, but um, and then they get at Illinois, home Wisconsin, so. Um, but and then UConn, of course, has got several, big, and they get Marquette. Right. UConn does right. Uh, so and the, you know these conference tournaments. So it's it's not like Houston's you know Houston's schedule is going to be head and shoulders better than everybody else's, and they're behind at the moment. So, um, but you, you gotta understand whatever order those three teams are in, they're the three. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, and and there's no competition for regional preference. So whatever order they're in. I don't even think the teams care that much because they know they're going to get the region and the and the sites that they want. Gotcha. Um, so that's really all that matters to them. All right, JP is going to be dropping his uh, daily bracketology here soon, so check it out at cbssports.com. Check him out every Wednesday right here on Sports 56 Mornings. He is the one and only Jerry Palm. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at JPPalmCBS. Good time to take a vacation right now, JP. you got nothing going yeah. on. <laughs> I've got one scheduled for April. You're not going to find me for a couple of years. There you go. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right. Talk to you later. For all you runners out there, whether you be experienced runners, whether you're beginners just getting into running, one place you need to know, that's Fleet Feet. When it comes to getting shoes, the best place to go, that's Fleet Feet. You go in there, they take a look at the way you run, the way you walk, where you put the pressure, the different parts of your feet, and they get you fitted in shoes that are just right for you, plus all the other gear. They've got you taken care of with everything you need, and they've got two locations for you to find them in East Memphis in the Laurelwood Shopping Center and out in Collierville at Poplar and Houston Levy next to Huey's, two locations of Fleet Feet. You can also find them online, fleetfeetmemphis.com, on social media as well, where they keep you up to date with things they've got going on, like their group runs and other stuff that you can get involved with they sponsor a lot of races around town 5ks and other things we'll be getting into that time of year as well so go see the folks at fleet feet got some college football news to wrap up hour two when we return this is sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 98.5 fm we are real sports talk sports 56 whbq available on your radio dial at 560 a.m and 98.5 fm as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The American Conference will drop its 2024 football schedule tomorrow. The Tigers already know who their opponents will be, but they don't know when they will play those opponents. So they'll find that out tomorrow, the full schedule. Obviously, the non-conference opponents, we know who they will be, but we'll find out more from the American Conference, the complete schedule coming out tomorrow. Ross Dellinger wrote an interesting story, uh, something that I think people have already been thinking about, but with the expanded playoff, uh, it puts at risk the Army-Navy game and its future as a standalone event. Obviously, it's very relevant. It's very important. What's strange is that Army and Navy will both be playing football in the American Conference starting this season, yet the Army-Navy game will not be a conference game. I just think that whole thing is weird. Uh, the college football's expansion from 4 to 12, started, which starts this fall, has triggered, according to Ross, two conversations, both of which could impact Army-Navy. One, Bowl season officials and their TV partner ESPN are exploring moving up the start of bowl games to the second weekend of December to free up television windows for the first four-round playoff games scheduled for the third weekend of December. And then college football leaders are examining how to consider the Army-Navy game that kicks off six days after the college football playoff selections are made when the new format allots an automatic spot for its highest-ranked group of five champions. It's tricky. I don't envy the decision maker, said Mike Buddy, the Army Athletic Director, who on February 16th sent a letter to the College Football Playoff Management Committee about the situation. He said, I'm a realist. I understand there's a lot of money and a lot of games to be played, but I still think Army-Navy transcends the sport of college football and has for decades. We all love the Army-Navy game. It is an extremely important event, but there's, there's no time, really, to have it be a standalone event with a 12-team playoff pushing back more than likely the start of the bowl games. What else are you going to do? You can only bend over so bend over backwards so much. It's almost like we did all those years talking about the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl wouldn't give in. You know, you hold your traditions and all that. Sometimes you have to give in a little bit. So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I mean, to me, that should be it should be moved up and just played as a conference game. But that's just me. Well, I'm with you as far as that's concerned. But they will never do that. They said they're never going to change. What is it, the second Saturday of December? Is that what it normally is? Mm-hmm. They said they're not They're not going to change. But it may be joined by other games, other bowl games. Who knows what's going on? Again, it wouldn't be playoff games until the third, third weekend. But that second weekend is more than likely going to be a bunch of bowl games when it wasn't in the past. So we'll see how that turns out. Of course, our good buddy... Uh, Pete Medhurst is the voice of Navy. We'll get him on uh, down the road to talk more about that. want to talk right now about Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, Memphis staple for four decades. You can dine in. You can carry out. Go through that no-contact uh, drive through You can have any of the services delivered to your home or office. They have specialized in catering for the entire time they've been in existence. They will cater your event no matter how small or large. They'll start you out as low as just $8.99 for that delicious slow-smoked barbecue. They have lunch specials every single day, party packs that start at just $7.49. That delicious pulled pork, the ribs, 
the barbecue nachos, the wings are tremendous. I love the cheese and sausage plates. Plus, if you want to go outside the barbecue family, you can get the tamales, the award-winning catfish plate, hamburgers, amazing desserts as well. It's Corky's, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Ask about their private party room. It's located at both the Cordova and the Olive Branch locations. Got a little birthday party coming up, a little celebration of some sort. Uh, Call them and book your time and date for the use of their private party room. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch lunch and dinner seven days a week. When we come back, hour three of the program, we'll kick things off talking some Memphis Grizzlies basketball as we do every Wednesday with DeMichael Cole from the Commercial Appeal. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 